Blog Talk Radio. Schnocker, but it's Brad Hecker. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've, everyone messes it up. Uh, uh, most people insert a P where the H is, so I've gotten used to that as well. That's Brad Hecker for those in Leo, Rio Linda, California. Nice. Nice. Well, with three of us um, interviewing these guys, I think it's going to be great. But, you know, we always open up the show talking about sort of current events. Larry, you wanted to talk about the latest uh, WWE financial report. Please, like, sort of, uh, you know, set the, set the foundation for us here. Well, you know, we, we've talked a number of times about WWE stock and their, and their financial numbers and stuff. We haven't done it in a while. And then since our last show, they came out with their quarterly report. And it was not good. They expected to lose some money, but they lost a lot more than the investors expected. I think the number was eight or nine million, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody can correct me on that if I'm wrong. And you know, it, what what wasn't troubling was they spent more, which they'd be expect to be doing with all they've got going on and all the money they're going to have coming in from India and from Fox, they could afford to spend more. Um, They also spent a lot of money on senior management bonuses, like millions on senior management bonuses. And at the same time, in in an interesting side note, got a tax break for doing so. Um, But we'll, we'll just set that aside for now. But what the disturbing part was... For the first time, it looked like the fan base was – well, we all know the TV 
ratings are tanking. That's that's not news by any stretch. But it appears that maybe people are the fans are less willing to spend. Yeah. Less less on merchandise. The network was down in March, down the month of WrestleMania, um, and they lost money. Not surprisingly, on house shows, which attendance was down to average of forty five hundred uh, a show, and that was with a couple of really big stadium shows. So um, yeah, for the first time, really, like the the, the, the I think the, there was some investor concern, uh, and this, the stock price, which had hit a hundred. Sits right now at eighty. Um, I I had read a dead spin article where they were talking about um, they were doing a comparison of the WWE now to two thousand and nine, and the kind of articles that were popping up around the about the WWE around that time. <laughs> One of the and I mean a couple of the ones really stood out to me. One of the headlines was, you know. WWE in free fall as they are in danger of going below 4 million viewers. <laughs> and for perspective, uh, they're, they're just a hair over 2 million right now. Um, the, right. Another article was about how, how much money, like how USA was just like, you know, they were just balking at the thought of spending the money they were spending on the WWE, but now they pay all, upwards of $250 million for a license that gets a fraction of the ratings it used to get. So the Deadspin article was sort of posing, like, at what point does Fox and all these people who are paying hundreds of millions of dollars for programming that's not getting them what they hope to get? It was also – I thought it was interesting, too, at, at 2009 – the WWE had sort of solved the Madison Avenue problem they had always had where um, advertisers had always paid cut rate for pro wrestling, that they had successfully sort of reversed that trend. But it appears in sort of those sort of signs that that is coming back again, where prominent, more prominent advertisers are like, what are we paying for? Like, we're not going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to offer us huge deals and discounts if you want to attach our name to sponsoring your stuff. So I thought it was just a very interesting article in light of this report. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what does this really uh, mean about WWE's business and what does this mean for, um, you know, for AEW? Another, oh, just another thing, a perspective. So you, WWE is what you said about, were there a little over 2 million now viewers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For Raw. So, Triple mm-hmm. A in Mexico, four million. Four million people watching Triple A in Mexico, um, and for it's WWE house shows numbers, what they average forty five hundred. Uh, during the heyday in Georgia in the seventies and early eighties, Georgia Championship Wrestling did eight hundred thousand to a million people in this state a year. <laughs> at the wow. box office, eight hundred thousand to a million attendants wow. just in Georgia. Uh, anyway, that's that's, but just shows that you know how things were and how they are now. Blah blah blah. But so, question I have is, what does this mean for AEW? Are, are, do you think they're they have an opportunity to capitalize on WWE weakness, or is this just pro wrestling weakness? Period, or neither. I don't. Ro- 
Rob, what's your what's your thoughts about AEW? I think you're probably more versed on there than I am. What, what's your what's your take on AEW? Uh, and and that's not much. Uh, it really depends on what they can do as far as with this all in that no, is all in or double nothing. I forget now. The the this pay per view coming up on the 25th. Uh, if they yeah. get a, a good number out of that, and then that might attract a network somehow, uh, probably not a mainstream network, but a second or third till near tier network on off a cable or digital platform, and that could help them. But, but they got a billionaire backing it, so it's it's really all up in the air, just waiting for the eggs to land. Well, I, I thought they were ready to announce TNT that that it was, they were going to have a Turner. In the fall, yeah, that's they had, what I'd heard, I heard that it would, that they had a Turner, yeah. but I don't know. That'd be interesting, considering how they Turner basically killed WCW. One of the reasons. Yeah, why I don't. I'll, I'll phrase that. I guess the question is, because right now content is king, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why all this money is getting spent. That's why you know UFC got bought for. I'm sure the people who bought. UFC for as much as they did have to be kicking themselves, right? They thought it was an unlimited growth industry, and it turns out it's not. Uh, I think the WWE figured out that wrestling was not an unlimited growth industry, but the thing is they've always sold it as there's more markets out there, there's more people who want us, but but then secretly they just started do far more money out of less people. That's really how they've managed to do what they've done. But now, I mean, they have to be terrified if it turns out that this sort of tighter, but in some ways more loyal financial group is not going to be willing to spend money in the long haul in large amounts. All I can do is just do anecdotal evidence. And I can tell you, Interactions I have with younger people, wrestling ain't shit. They don't talk about it. I don't see shirts. You know, like, it's just not part of the, the cultural landscape overall. No. But, but strangely, it's the only game in town when it comes to pro wrestling. I mean, WWE has done a phenomenal – can AEW – I guess what I'm saying is this. If AEW can somehow imprint themselves – into a thing bigger than just wrestling fans, then they've got a shot in the long haul. If it's a thing that only wrestling purists like, they're doomed. Because remember, like all these overseas numbers that seem so impressive, remember when TNA or Jeff Jarrett or some combination of TNA people did that thing in India that got all that hype, remember? Scott Steiner rampaging through the crowd. and like, you guys remember that stuff at all? And it was going to be so huge, and India's going to be this big market. And then, you know, they, they made that guy come over from India into TNA, and he was so fucking terrible, and all that stuff. They canceled those shows immediately because they only drew 1 million viewers on television. And that was seen as a colossal failure. So, like, I don't know, AEW, to me, seems like they have a hard road to hoe. Then again, they've gotten a lot of attention, and I say it all the time, they haven't done anything. <laughs> they've done absolutely nothing. 
and they have a lot of people in wrestling talking about them. But what that means anymore, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, can they convert a, a hardcore following, very passionate, devoted hardcore following, but not enough people by any stretch to mean anything on a major cable network, can they convert that into to a mainstream following? The old can it play in Peoria? Uh, it's well, the mainstream they need. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have a question for for Rob, if it's cool, Larry. So go right ahead, Rob. Rob, since you're you're the man who's kind of getting out and seeing a bunch of different shows, which again I can't thank you enough for reviewing these shows and putting eyes on them. I think it's very important. And um, mm. what's the group? And, and I know you're you're loath loath to sort of <laughs> say say negative stuff to your credit, but what's a group that you think? Legitimate, like what's a group that's going to be a, a, a still be a major player or become a major player with it by the end of the year? And what's another group that you go, I could see where they may have problems down the road. Not necessarily saying they're inevitably doomed, but what's a group that you think is is going to still be around? And what's a group that you think I don't know if they're going to be around? Because, I mean, wrestling well, will come and go, they rise and fall. It's always happened. It always will. Right. So. I, I, the ones that I've seen, I, I think the, uh, the bell has not yet to, uh, tolling, uh, tolled for uh, Peach State. Uh, this, I don't know if you guys seen the latest promotional video I think Matt Haskins put out, but that was absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, Great and, work. And that, that will get eyes on that main event match. Uh, a, 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 you could call it a second or third tier promotion, Georgia Pro Championship Wrestling. Uh, I'm in, impressed with some of the stuff they've done. Can they improve? Absolutely, yeah. but so can everyone else. Uh, Robert Gibson's uh, All Pro. Uh, you know that the from what I've heard on the Chris Henry main event, I think he's leaving there, going to other pastures. So I'm not too sure. Uh, you know what. They're going to go from there on that, but they've they're drawing from what I've been told very very well between about 200 people a show. So well, it seems like a if big you do jump for them, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So as it's if you're if right now in like in West Georgia where I usually watch stuff, if you're getting 200, that's getting to be about average now. That, that that's yeah. I think that that not, not average. I shouldn't say that. About 150 would be average. 200 is positive, and if you get two, 250, you're you're kicking butt. Nice. I uh, by the way, I'm gonna put together a video later tonight, um, a full disclosure, and one of the things I'm gonna talk about is um, actually two different Georgia wrestling groups that people have sort of contacted me or contacted Larry and I and sort of offered proof that they're completely faking their crowd numbers. And so that's, that's something you're going to want to tune in for and listen to later. <laughs> oh, but, boy. You know, a fu- <laughs> fu- funny thing about uh, – yeah, that's what I do. Um, a funny thing about uh, Robert Gibson's promotion, that Chris Henry, who's kind of like their big star, and he's a student um, there for Robert Gibson, 
he didn't know who Robert Gibson was when he was being trained <laughs> by him. As in, he did not know what the hell the Rock and Roll Express was. Oh, and no. if that doesn't explain the sort of cultural divide in wrestling, wrestling to me is such a strange thing. Because you just had two biggest stars outside of the WWE show up at um, Southern Honor, of course, right? You have Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. But these promotions that bring in the old timers, I don't think that's doing what it, there, there was a time where I think you could bring in an old timer and you could draw fans with them. I don't know if that's a thing anymore uh, or if it's a thing that people do just for their own sort of glee. I mean, am I being too harsh as usual? No, Steve, I, I've been so. saying this for a while, at least in Georgia, these, and, and it makes me sad but in general, and there are exceptions, Bob Armstrong being one of them, but there are except, but but in general, they don't mean anything anymore. They just don't. Especially, the, they especially just to don't. the younger younger fan. Especially the no. younger fan. Yeah, if you if you wildfire Tom Rich shows up at a show, you'll get the yeah. wrestling fans that are in forties, you know, fifties and sixties, and the young, you know, teens, twenties, thirties, they don't care. Uh, sorry to say. No. No. And nobody a, comes up to ask to talk to him. It was a challenge for me because I love old wrestling. I mean, a lot of people who might have only recently, like, sort of encountered me would not think that, but it's the opposite is true. Uh, I love wrestling history. I love reading about it. And when we're going to honor sort of Thunderbolt Patterson at uh, the Second Sacred Ground, like, my approach was our crowd is not going to know who that is. So, like, I set about to sort of, uh, do you remember the video that we did for him? It was just, like, I, I wanted the, like, legit oldest footage of Thunderbolt Patterson I could find. And then I wrote the copy for the narrator and then had Shane Marks do the narration. Sort of to, that's the only way that I think that you could do anything nowadays. But just putting somebody on a poster, like, he's Tommy Rich is a great example. Because that's a guy who used to, I mean, there wasn't a Georgia indie show that he was not on, it seemed like, at one point, right? Like, yeah. you always had to bring in Tommy Rich. Um, but but the, you, you, you should not have to give context. Maybe that's the answer, is that promoters have to adapt to the times and give some context um, and give some background information. Because there are uh, amazing stories to be told, you know, um, I mean, it was always exciting when it wasn't Sputnik Monroe, who I think was already dead, but like Rocket used to go to this sort of gathering with uh, Bobby Simmons and the like. And so when I first got to Georgia, I would go to these sort of gatherings of these old wrestlers. And I, just, I would just think to myself, like, you know, people are not going to know who these guys are. I hope that if they ever do show up on a Georgia indie show, that they sort of give the background. And, and I guess in this day and age with social media and that kind of thing, it's not hard to do. I just, just people just need to get into a mentality of like, take it upon yourself to educate somebody and not just slap a name on a poster. Right. You're really doing a disservice to those guys. So. Gentlemen, the uh, champ is here. So let, let's, let's bring him on. <laughs> The Anarchy Heavyweight Champion, the longest reigning champion in Cornelia Wrestling history, among other things. 
He's Logan Creed. Welcome to the tipping point. Um, hello? You I'm see how this guy does us, man? This this guy. <laughs> Logan? He's the yeah, he's the master. Can Logan you Creed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we can hear we can hear you, champ. How you doing? What's going on, guys? How are y'all? Good. Doing great. How are you? You've got a lot of irons in the fire, man. I know I know Rob wants to ask you questions and Larry does, but you know I'm always gonna butt in and get in there first. Um, Logan, you got a lot of irons in the fire, man. Like, like just right now, as quick as you can, tell us everything that's going on, the promotions you're working for, your place in those promotions, and, uh, and yeah, just just give us an update and give everybody an update where you're at right now. Uh, I think predominantly is still, you know, I'm still doing the ACW show out of Tampa, uh, Southern Honor, obviously. Uh, Anarchy, um, uh, IWE in South Carolina, which is kind of a new show that's picked up, but this will be my second show for them this weekend. Uh, PWX Pure, I'll start with them Sunday. Uh, That'll be my debut match for them. I'm working on trying to get back to Mexico in a crash. Um, I've been talking with them, and we've we've talked about dates and some other things, but we're kind of working out the the kinks and trying to get me over there. and then, you know, just, just wherever I can kind of pick up when I don't have something else going on. Um, I've been talking to uh, some other guys about some, some other big-name shows, and I, don't, I won't go into detail yet because I don't want to jinx it, but uh, the, my name's out there to some of the right people, and uh, we're just kind of waiting to see what they say and, and hoping that they can find a spot for me, you know, to use me on the show, obviously. Logan, uh, yeah, how do you feel? How do you feel? You've gone from being someone. I think uh, Stephen brought brought this up during the award season. You've gone from someone a promotion brought in to bring out someone else to being the top guy, where people are coming in to try to beat you for various titles or matches. Uh, what? How is your mindset switched from being bringing? From I'm messing this up. From putting help bringing someone up to being the champ and oh I messed that up. I'm shit to bed. Sorry. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'll put it bluntly because that's that's okay. it's easier for everybody I'm listening. Um, Logan, <laughs> you were a, a, a guy who was there to put guys over. You were a guy who was considered a good hand and a guy who looked good on a poster, but didn't look like a star. Now you are a fucking star. You're a star. Yeah, you're you a go. champ. You're the main eventer, and you're the guy that p- promotions are building themselves around. Like, what? What is your mindset different? Is that accurate, Rob? Yes, that's accurate. Thank you. Cool. So, cool, I think cool. that was, so what's, I what's, think that was my mindset. Um, you know, four years, four or five years ago, and I'm terrible with time, so there's no way I would ever be able to go to a timetable. Um, but whenever, um, whenever I got the call to come to Southern Fried, um, and I started with them, and then Southern Fried really started taking off and building what it's become today. And we all know that it's it's no, that it's done nothing to get better yearly. Um, but that was the that was when I really got my first taste of 
the northern part of Georgia wrestling, and people started people people knew who I was. You know, nobody knew who I was before that. I've been wrestling for years, but it was just in in middle Georgia and South Georgia, and and it was you know I was wrestling maybe sixteen times a year, so I wasn't really doing anything. But that was when I realized that okay, I'm plugged into the pipeline now, and I, my mindset quickly turned towards. I want to be a star. You know, this is now, this is finally, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. I see the guys that I've always heard about and this is now, now I can do this. And, and I started just picking, picking the brains of people that I was in the locker room with that were, that were in the spots I wanted to be on. And, and, you know, obviously training and obviously getting better physically. Um, I look better than I ever have in my life. And it's, it was it was the mindset from the start, and I, and I knew, you know, Stephen, you you spoke about this before, but I knew I had to eat shit to get to where I wanted to be. I showed up early. Uh, you know, I was polite. Uh, you know, I made sure I was I did whatever needed to be done. I helped out where I needed to help out. Um, I listened instead of spoke when I knew I needed to, and mm. it earned. I earned my respect from guys who had been doing it, you know, longer than me. And so they kind of pulled me in and said, okay, you know, I like him. Um, and, and I still do that now. You know, nothing, nothing's really changed mentally. I just, now I look the part <laughs> and, and I can, yeah. I'm given the opportunity to. So yeah, it, it, you know, it took years to, for me to get there. And a lot of, you know, a lot of that history before Southern Fried, I mean, most of you guys will agree, you know who I was. Nobody knew who I was. Um, and that was because I was kind of stuck in the wastelands, and that's why I tell people I'm from the wastelands of Georgia because that's where I was at. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't for the fact that maybe people, you know, there weren't good shows going on. It was just it was a different time then, too, and, and people didn't have Facebook to go to and, and see what all was going on. You didn't hear about it, so nobody knew who I was. I, I think, too, another thing, one, you definitely looked the part more. I mean, everything that I had heard about the Southern Honor Report, uh, the Southern Honor Show, and it was the, the one guy who got a pop, like, on his own, meaning without, you know, being attached to one of the, like, international superstars that were there and that kind of thing, was you. And and they they said it to me in this almost dismissive way of, but it's understandable because he's the one who looks like a star. And no matter how much wrestling changes, and I mean, I've had to get used to the fact that, you know, guys that are 140 to 160 pounds soaking wet in their underwear holding a brick in their hand are stars. Like, that, that's still hard for a guy my age. When I was told, I mean, I was six feet tall, 250, and they're like, God, if only you were bigger <laughs> when I wrestled. And then I go into a PCW locker room, and I'm usually the tallest fucking guy in there. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a different world. And uh, but I, I think, and I'll, I'll say this name, and I don't mean it to demean him, but like Cyrus, who's a huge guy, and by all accounts a nice guy, and people like working with him, and he can be a presence, but there's something about him that doesn't scream star. And I think you went from a guy who does. And not only that, I think you're one of the guys who's the smartest 
in that sort of Leo Rush tradition of how to use the internet, how to take a picture. You're the only guy in wrestling in Georgia that knows how to take a picture. And that sounds crazy, but when I look, just even something as simple as you stick your tongue out in this sort of lewd way, licking Brooklyn's belly when she was pregnant. And I remember going, why is this the only picture of a wrestler that I can remember? Everybody's promo shots that they use on posters, they all blur together. They're all the same. They're all boring. But you have a way of standing out. And and when you wrote that thing about Xavier, I not only laughed at how clever it was, but I was like, it inspired a conversation. People talk about you. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a hard trick to pull off, but again, maybe it's easy because nobody is putting in the work and you're putting in the work on, in the gym, you're putting in the work on the shows and you're putting in the work in the branding and promotion, which is as essential as anything. That's just my opinion. No, it's, it's a total mind, you know, it's the mindset. Uh, you're always a student of the game, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that I've ever stopped training. You know, it's there's always training, and you can train in the ring, you can train in the gym, you can train sitting in front of your TV watching matches, you can train listening to podcasts, you can train, you know, listening to the the podcasts now or so. And I've got, you know, there's there's so many out there, but to just sit and listen to some of them that are really the history of of wrestling. I learned so much from listening to those and you know, the behind-the-scenes stories and how things came to be and, how, and you know who come up with the idea and how it changed before it actually got to the pay-per-view. Like I, that kind of stuff. Just it. That's that's the kind of stuff I enjoy because I enjoy the storytelling and the storytelling is what keeps you with a job. You know, you can go have an awesome match at a show, and that's great. And that's one payday. But if you go in and you start telling a story that lasts six or seven or, you know, a year, well, however many shows are there, that's how many you're going to be on because people want to see that story play itself out. And so now speaking, you guaranteed you're that many paydays. Speaking of stories, um, I want to get your take on Southern Honor where you're you're involved in one of the – biggest if not one of the, the, the top storylines there could you just give us your take on that i'm going to slap Corey into a diabetic coma is what i'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> okay no, it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah I, I mean i, I mean yeah I, well here's here's something i find interesting logan i don't mean to cut you off but obviously you know it's Corey hollis pal driving your wife who just had a baby Right. And obviously it's, it's, it's the thing that immediately made me think this is something that's compelling and it's emotional and it's very personal for you. And it's obviously very personal for you. Um, but, and you, you might want to slap the shit out of me for saying this, that's one of the things that fascinates me about it. And of course I'm not, I'm not justifying what Corey did in the least. Obviously, it's, it's a horror show what he did. But there are parallels between you and Corey. Like, Corey was once seen as sort of like 
one of a group of guys and he was seen as a good hand and he was seen as a guy who was like maybe not charismatic enough, but a guy that would, you know, serve a certain role on your, and then now, I mean, whatever you think about Corey Hollis, it's undeniable that he's a star and he's such a star that you almost forget there was a time where he was not right. And I think the same can be said for you. But it seems to me, Logan, like you versus Corey, the, the, the tragedy of the fight is, is it inevitable that one of you is going to have to destroy the other? It just seems like there's so much there with two guys that have kind of reached they're, they're in the clear prime of their careers, probably in the beginning of the prime of their careers. And who, many, who knows how long that's going to last, right? It could last years, but you're clearly both at the top of your game right now. Is is this feud going to end with one of you being destroyed? That's what it feels I mean, like to me. It has to. And if I ever get my hands on him, it's going to. Well, uh, Logan, Does he what's... have you out of your game, though? I mean, you seem like a, you're a very – This is, I guess this is what I was trying to say before. You're a smart guy. And not not just smart, I think you're wise, and those are two different things. I think you you take information in very well, but you apply it better than anybody. But this thing with Corey, it feels like he's playing chess, and he's got you, like, con artists call it putting somebody in the ether, right, where you get them thinking emotionally. Um, and clearly this is very emotional for you, and you're you're just plowing straight ahead. Do you ever worry that that's kind of playing into Corey's hands? And I don't mean to upset you. I'm just being honest with what I see. You know, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, and that's, you know, you're probably right. And at the same time, you know, I always have a game plan when I go into stuff. And this yeah. whole thing, you know, the, the, the pile driver, is, you know, there's blurred lines sometimes in wrestling. And I'm just going to say this as honest as I can say it. Sometimes things shouldn't be done, and they're done without you knowing. Um, and so there's there's some personal stuff there with what happened. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, and, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. You know, it's, it's either way, I, I look forward to when I finally get that opportunity. Yes, I, I, I don't even Just uh, if you don't mind a change of pace here, um, Logan, yeah. I got to ask you about the Cabo Beach Club trip. <laughs> that just seemed like so. It just looked like so much fun in the just in the photos. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> you know, that was what a what a fun trip. You know, that's one of those. That was like a wrestling vacation. I think that's the best way. It's the best way to describe it. It was, uh, yeah. And I know it was really, really special for Bill and and because everybody that was a part of that, uh, in some form, Bill has had a part in in helping them, you know, along their way. You know, Shannon Moore, um, me, Judas, Slim J, uh, everybody was there. Cross and Chris. It, you know, at some point in in our careers, he's he's had a hand in in helping us in some way, and and in some capacity. So, 
I know it was special for him, and of course it was special for all of us because it was an opportunity to go and, and be together and and just enjoy, you know, doing what we love to do in front of God, in front of people that I never in a million years would I've dreamed that I would have been wrestling in front of the people that were there. Um, but, you know, it happens, and we did it, and they they enjoyed it. Obviously, if, you know, you saw the pictures, they – you know, when Michael Phelps walks up and tells you he wants to hold your title belt, uh, you you kind of oblige. And uh, <laughs> and I, so, he can't. You can never have enough gold, and he proved it that day. He's like, wait, I've got all these medals, but hey, you got a title. Let me hold that. So, but it was just, it was super, it was cool, you know. And I I don't know if you heard the story, but I actually, you know, Phelps was at ringside. We all knew he was there, and so I, you know, I said I told uh, Michael, I said, look, man, we got to use him, and. uh so I actually brought Phelps into the ring and handed him a trash can lid, told him to use it on Judas, and he did in a very, very weak swing of a trash can lid. And before he could get out of the ring, I pulled him back. and I said, no, no, no. I said, look, don't swing it like a pussy. <laughs> swing it like you want it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I just took it from him and I said, let me show you how to do it. And I whacked Judas over the head and he laid out and everybody went wild. So it was, you know, I got to call Michael Phelps a pussy. So there that is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Show the Olympic champion how it was done, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I told him, I actually said that on the microphone. I said, look, I didn't teach you how to swim, but I can teach you how to swing a trash can with it. So. Great. But no, it was it was a, that was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, we got to I got to spend time with with Shannon uh, Moore and Lindsey Snow, and and man, Shannon's such a great guy, dude, and he's the stories and just listening to him, to, you know, talk, and I, I always love that chance, you know, when you get to be around a guy that's that's been all the places you want to go, it, it's always fun to just hear them talk about things that happened and stories and and you know his own career and and the path that he's been on. And yeah, he's he's done so well for himself in coming back and and to be where he is now. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that's no no other way to say it. It was it was a blast, and I'm glad we got to be a part of it. And you know, hopefully, that it'll be a thing that happens again. We'll see. Great. Somebody Logan. else want to jump in? Yeah, uh, Logan. Uh, after you finish beating Corey Hollis into a hole in the ground, what young wrestlers out there, especially since most wrestlers seem to be undersized in the state of Georgia, are there any young wrestlers that you might think could pose a threat to your Anarchy Championship? Uh, at this point, no. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it as long as I want to keep it. Maybe maybe and, in a couple of years anyone might come up? Uh, I mean, not right offhand. I, you know, there's a, there's plenty of guys that I would love to challenge for or to, that would I would love to have challenge me for it, uh, but I don't know that that will ever happen. But, uh, yeah, most of, you know, the, the guys that are – and we're just talking about Georgia guys – the the young talent in Georgia, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, up and down, I don't think you can discredit any of them because all of them are coming out of these top-notch schools where they're getting trained and they're learning, uh, 
and they're coming straight in. And, you know, it's not like it used to be, you know, when I, when I started my training was, I was trained by uh, a guy who had, was only a year in himself. So it wasn't, it wasn't the best in the world, but he did what he taught me what he knew. And then I was kind of set loose and I picked up the rest as I went along. You know, these guys now they're learning psychology. They're learning wrestling. They're learning how to work on TV. They're learning it all before they ever walk out of school. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. With that being said, there's so many guys who have been doing it for years who they don't look the part, they don't know how to work TV, they don't know how to work a camera, they don't know how to work this new style of wrestling that is kind of taking over, and it's it's pushing its way into Georgia now, and I think you see it with the Southern Honor Show. Um, I think that's that's where it's really that's where it's kind of taking off. I don't think I think it's already was being done, but I think the platform there is up and down. That's what you're getting. You know, you're not getting that old school feel from the Southern Honor Show. It's very much. I think uh, I even told Larry, it's the millennial wrestling fans. Like that's the new wave, and mm-hmm. you know, you hear guys fight it all the time. Oh, they don't sell, and you know, there is nobody. You know, people kick out of this finisher a hundred. Well, guess what? It's because everybody knows. Because everybody's behind the wall now. There is no more wall. Everybody knows what we're doing. Everybody knows it's a business. They don't care. They love it because they just love the characters we are, who we are, and that's why they pick and choose who their favorites are. So it's, you know, and this young generation of wrestlers is is changing that, and they're changing it for for all of us. And so you either have to adapt or you have to get the hell out of the way. Yeah. Logan, any yeah. last uh, words or thoughts before we let you go? No, I yeah, always love talking to you guys. Um, and uh, I know Luke's coming on next. He was down in Cabo with us, so you may want to ask him about his time down there. Real quick, Logan, before you go. What's that? I had one question. So, um, I, you know, I'm looking at the results of the Anarchy show. And just for clarification, so Will Caution, um, he won that big main event. You know, um, what does that mean uh, as far as he's the land, Landmark Arena Heritage Champion and he's the ultimate Anarchy? Where, where does that – so where so does the, that leave you? Ultimate Anarchy match was for the Landmark Arena title. Uh, I'm still okay. the Anarchy champion. So, yeah, that was just right. a, yeah. Because a couple of people um, have asked me about that, and I just wanted to make sure that that was, that was crystal clear, right? You're, yeah. you're the Anarchy champion. You have been for more than a year, uh, record holder, and you have, no, you have no intention, certainly, of dropping that title anytime soon, right? No, so, not anytime soon. Great, great. And I always well, thank so. you. I have to thank you, Logan, for always uh, picking me out when I'm doing ringside photography and making a good face for me. It's myself as I do it for you because I really like to see the picture the next week. So I'm pretty much sitting around <laughs> waiting, impatient, impatiently waiting to see the picture and see how it looks. <laughs> 
thanks a lot, lot man. Like I said, I think you're the Thank you're you. the best contender in a long time to repeat as a wrestler of the year. So best of luck with everything, and uh, see you down the road, man. Keep killing it. Y'all have a good night. Good night. Yeah, man. Always good to hear from Logan, but is uh, is Luke ready to go? Because I, well, I, I cannot I, wait. He's always uh, great he's to talk The 504 area code is on the line, and we know that has to be the man from New Orleans, the head man at Wildcat Pro Wrestling. Luke Hawks, welcome to the Tipping Point. What's up? I'm a little nasal. I got a bad sinus infection, so y'all going to have to deal with me. We'll deal with it. <laughs> So you tell me about doing? the iPay-Per-View, man Tell me about the iPay-Per-View I'm excited I'm, Are you are you working Todd Sexton, Luke? Did I read that I correctly? Am. Is that happening? I, mean, I, I, wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't say I'm working him I'm beating him up, yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> Luke, how the hell did one How did you even conceive of this match coming together? How did this match come together? And uh, and what are you looking forward to with this thing, man? That's uh, that's wild. That you guys have never fought against each other. Is that true? No, we've never had any kind of singles match. I think I think we were in like maybe like a scramble cage match or some BS like that. Uh, you know, when it's so long ago. I mean, we're talking how long ago? We're talking, you know, almost eighteen years ago, sixteen years ago. I think it was yeah, two thousand two, two thousand three. So it was it was so long ago. Uh, I can't I can't remember everything I did back then. It, shit, I can't remember what I did yesterday. So, uh, but yeah, I, I know for sure we've never wrestled, and I know there was always like some heat there. So I was thinking about man, who if I'm going in to wrestle somebody there, I don't want to just wrestle a wildcat guy. I'd rather wrestle somebody I have some history with in that building because I, that building means a lot to me. Uh, that building was was very. Um, a staple part of my career when I first started because of where I came from. And, you know, like you guys know the story about how I was in XTW and these companies and this company. But then once that all kind of fell apart, there was no wrestling around me. So I had to come out to Georgia and I had to make that long drive. And I had those opportunities to, to grow as a performer because I wasn't a seasoned wrestler at the time. I, there was a lot I still needed to learn. I didn't have a solid place to train and learn my fundamentals and get my foundation behind me. And uh, Wildside was that place, and that building was that place where I could do that at. And then that actually caused a lot of friction between me and some of the guys because I was, quote, unquote, getting over, and I had a little fan base there. And, you know, guys like Todd legit didn't like that, and it was a problem for them because they were having trouble getting over. And, uh, you know, it was nothing in particular that I did to them. So I was like, I was thinking of somebody. I said I could go back and wrestle possibly Sal. I was trying to think of who still wrestles. Like, I could wrestle Sal. But we wrestled a bunch of times, and I really have nothing with him. I was like, man, me and Todd would probably be really good if he would take it because uh, I know he still does some stuff here and there, and I know there's always been that, like, I mean, look, I was supposed to wrestle Jimmy Rave last time I came for, uh, what show was it that I came for? I was supposed to wrestle Jimmy Rave while he no-showed. Oh, oh uh, yeah, the, 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 the Wild Side uh, reunion thing. Reunion, yeah, the Wild Side reunion, that's what it was, and, uh, you know, Jimmy Rave's another one I had heat with, and uh, that 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 it just never happened. So he 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 no uh, he no showed. So uh, 
Yeah, so now it's 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 what 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 do we move to next, you know? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, I thought I thought yes, I lost sir. my gosh for a second because we were driving. No, no. Um Rob, please, do you have a question for uh Luca Hawks? Uh I'm relatively new to the Georgia wrestling scene, about five years or so. I'm not overly familiar with your work, but I've heard good things about from what I've read and all that. As someone who lives uh, 200 miles away from the landmark arena, what if I drive there to watch your IP, IPV, what can I expect from that show, from the matches that lot, are happening? A lot of talent that you possibly not might not be familiar with, you'll get a good eye on some of them who I feel could go with who – are considered the best talents on the independent scene today. Uh, I feel guys like Matt Lanty, Jay Spade, Buku Dow could get Steve Anthony. Uh, they, these guys could go in there with the top guys at Ring of Honor, and if not perform with them, outperform them. Uh, my guys are that good. And they just haven't had that national exposure yet or international exposure where they've become a mainstream. And I think that's partly because of our position of – Wildcat being in New Orleans. You know, we don't get that mainstream indie buzz on us for some reason. Yet, without drawing all these companies. Uh, we might have lost them. Hello? You there? Hello? We lost you We we lost you for a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. Where, where'd you lose me at? You were so just, you're talking, you're just talking about Wildcats being out of New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, you know, because of Wildcats out of New Orleans, we don't get a lot of that mainstream indie hype because of our location. So these guys don't get the hype that they deserve. And Wildcat as a whole, I mean, we're drawing a bad, a bad show for us. We draw 600 to 800 people. That's a small show Good for grief. us. So, you know, and, and, and we're outperforming these guys. And it's like, I don't know what the, what, what do we have to do to get these guys that are so good on that level to where they get some shine on the internet or they get some respect on the internet because these guys are working so hard and they're so talented, yet they just keep getting passed over. So, uh, you know, if you come out and you check us out and you get to see this show live, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because we have so many real talented guys. I mean, if you go back and you can look up some matches, I mean, look up Matt Lancey, look up Jay Spade, look up Bukuda, look up Steve Anthony. Uh, and then not only that, we bring in guys like the Pump Patrol. Um, we we use a lot of ROW guys, reality of wrestling guys. And then we use some Georgia guys, too. I mean, we've had Slim J. We've had Mike Posey. We've had uh, a guy, what's their name, the, a tag team. I can't think of it right now. But, but you know, we're, we, I try and incorporate guys from our, especially the southern region. I'm a big Southern boy, so, you know, I want to include guys and give those guys these opportunities that they might not have. So, you know, I'll bring these guys in from out of town. I'll bring them from Georgia to come work our shows from South Carolina. We're going to have Master Machine on soon uh, with some Wildcat shows down in New Orleans. And, you know, to perform in front of our crowds and our audience and see what we have to offer down where we're at. So, I mean, if you come out, man, you're going to see a kick-ass show by the line. Well, one of your guys just got a WWE tryout, correct? Yeah, Edron Stone. I mean, and that's the name I didn't even mm. mention. Edron Stone, he is 6'5", 300 pounds. Oh, wow. so, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and he's an athlete. He's a former he's a former uh, college football player. The guy moves like a cruiserweight. He's awesome. So I mean he'll be there. He's wrestling uh who is Stone wrestling? Chuck Devine. 
So, and uh, Chuck Devine's kind of a new guy with Wildcat. He's been with us a couple of years, but, like, he's still on the up and coming. But, I mean, those guys were tearing up. Uh, you got Matt Lancey versus James Valor. You got my son, PJ Hawks, who, look, I can sit here and blow smoke up your ass and tell you my son's the best thing since sliced bread. But when you see him in the ring, you'll know exactly what I mean. My son is a stud. Um, and he, But he's grew up in the business. He wanted to be a wrestler since, you know, he was a, a young, young child. It's all he ever wanted to be. He was a wrestler. He was a two-time Louisiana national uh, team member. So there's like he, he has a, a stellar amateur background to come in. So, like, he, he picked up the business, you know, pretty fairly quickly. Uh, and he just he just keeps getting better and better, man. So, like, you'll see Perry versus Stevie Richards. You'll see uh, myself versus Todd Sexton. You'll see Jay Spain versus Steve Anthony. Luke Dow's taking on another Georgia guy, Cyrus the Destroyer. Uh, Alan Angels, who is a, a guy from out there, he's wrestling – who is he wrestling? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It's, trying, it's hard to remember the whole card. Alan Angels is wrestling um, Nathan Bradley from Fortune 5K. Another young guy from Wildcat who's been with me about two, two and a half years. Super talented high flyer. Can do anything in the ring. Cool. He's going to have his hands full with Alan Angels. He's one of our best these days. Okay, well, see, perfect. So they'll, they'll have a good matchup then. So, I mean, like, it, it's really a stellar card. And you got Master M- Machine versus Pump Patrol. So, there's a little mixture of everything. You know, they, they got something for everybody. I just hope that, uh, you know, we, we can get in front of a new audience there and turn them on. Yeah. Because, you know, I, as you know, it's always hard to uh, obviously draw a crowd someplace you, you're not familiar with. So, we're coming in from 500 miles away. So, hopefully we can get the Georgia team behind us. And, you know, I have good support there. Of course, some of the guys there wrestle locally. Um, So we have a little bit of a fan base there. So hopefully, uh, you know, the fans come out and support us. Yeah, I saw where uh, on the uh, last Anarchy report how they had had talked about you guys being there this weekend and all that kind of stuff. What – I, I know the the promotion end, um, especially like so far away from home base, is it's got to be tough. Um, what what kind of goals do you have just as far as like how many people see this show compared to the last one? Are you looking to like, you know, fifty percent more, double it up? Like what what would you, what would make you happy to see? It's not. I, I want to put an ass every eighteen inches, as they say. You know, I want to fill gotcha. the place up. My guys are used to performing in front of packed houses. Have they performed in front of small houses? Yeah. I mean, look, we, we went to Philly one year, and we did great, and people asked for us to come back. They are like, oh, man, this is the best show we've seen in a long time. Please come back. We got begged and begged and begged to come back. We came back the next year, and we only drew 150 people. And it was like yeah. for no rhyme or reason, and we had a stellar show. So sometimes, like, you know, it just it just doesn't happen. It's wrestling. You can't you – can't, you can do all the marketing in the world. It doesn't mean people are going to show up. When we run a Wildcat show at home, we, we, we don't have to put a poster up. We don't have to do anything. We just got to say we're having a show, and we have that built-in fan base where our fans are coming no matter what. So you come in, we step outside our comfort zone. It's a little bit of a challenge for us, you know, and we take different marketing strategies to try and draw. And at the end of the day, you know, it's really up to the fans, you know, and, uh, and we're hoping that we get that support and they want to see something new. It's not, you know, we're not coming in. I, I tell people this all the time. We're not coming in to take over anything. We're not coming in to, to tread on somebody else's uh, property. We're coming in to just put out a good product, work together, and hopefully come do it once or twice a year. 
you know, and, and, and perform in a different market. So, uh, and I think, uh, I, I think, I think, if everybody does their part, we can do a really good job with it, and then every everybody wins, right? The fans get a great show. We don't lose money. Uh, the wrestlers perform in front of a different crowd, and they they, they get a new fan base, and, and everybody grows. Yeah, Works for me. So, um, mm-hmm. s- switching gears for a second, tell us a little bit what you, what you got going on in the in the film industry. Yes, sir. Oh, man, I just uh, I just did a little TV show, an international TV show. It's not even a local TV show in the states. Uh, some international TV show I just finished last week. A couple weeks before that, I did an episode. I did some stunts on NCIS New Orleans. I've been on every season of that, doing some work on it. Uh, coming up over the summer, I have uh, a couple films coming out on Netflix. One with Jamie Foxx, that'll be real big, which is kind of like a, a really cool comic-style film, uh, kind of like a like a comic book-style film, uh, but it's going to be different. So I, it doesn't have a name yet. It was tentatively scheduled to be called Power, but we got that coming up. They'll change that name. And then I have a horror film coming out uh, called Wounds as well. That, that'll be really good. I play a nice role in, in, in Wounds. So that, that's a nice little scary horror film. That is, It's actually my first horror film, so I'm excited about that. It's always fun to do a different kind of project. Project because you know usually I'm playing the bad guy or I'm playing the thug and it's usually a, a, an action film or something like that. So when I get to do a drama or if I get to do a comedy, like I did a comedy, I did uh, Keep It Up with the Joneses. That was the first comedy I did. So it's always cool to do something different. And then I did an episode of Claws, uh season two where I, you know that and that's a comedy, so that was cool. It's always cool to work on different things. You, yeah, you do man. any stunt work? These, you do any stunt work these days or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, it's, it's stunts and acting. I do both. You there? How did you get? In, how do you get involved in the stunt work? Um, my my handsome good looks and my stellar <laughs> body. <laughs> no, I, I mean we're laughing, but it's actually true. Uh, I mean, like that's you got you got a look, and you put in the gym time, and you're an intense, scary motherfucker. Like, I it doesn't shock me that you get typecast in a certain way because guys that are genuinely threatening in this day and age are few and far between, and you definitely fit the bill. So. Yeah, I don't like to brag, but I'm pretty badass and awesome at the same time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Luke. When I when I look at you these days, it's hard to imagine that you're the same guy that was Alter Boy, Luke. Yeah, that was a completely oh, different kid. You know, you know what's funny though is that that kid had a lot more anger, and, and I mean I'm the same person, but that kid had a lot more anger and a lot more frustrated frustration with him. And uh, yeah. you know, as you grow and you get older, you kind of let go of some things and you learn to channel your energy in different ways and. You know, I'm not saying I still won't rip somebody's head off, but, you know, I'm, I'm not constantly looking for something 24-7 like I was back then. If somebody looked at me wrong back then, I was ready to throw down. Now, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things I just shrug off, and, you know, I got, I'm got i more focused on my work and putting my energy into more stuff that's positive, like my kids or my business. So, uh, you know, in the film industry, like, I work really hard at that. I'm, I'm fortunate. You know, I, I really have three careers. I have pro wrestling, I have the film industry, and I have the fitness industry. So, and I, you know, I make a living off of all three, so I can fortunately say that I am a professional at all three. So, uh, yeah, man. I, I really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing, man. I get to enjoy what I do, and I love what I do. And, you know, for a lot of people, 
going to the gym is a tour. For me, it's my, it's not only it's my work, but it's something I enjoy doing. Like if I I go crazy if I don't go to the gym. Like and if I, if there's ever a day where I really don't have something to do, once I go to the gym, I'm itching to go back to the gym because I don't have like it's it's my life. So uh, that that from that aspect is like I'm blessed, man, because the gym is like my savior, and I'm I'm fortunate enough that I get I actually get paid to do something I love, you know, and that's work out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it yeah. reminds me of, you know, I, I mean, it reminds me of something Arnold Schwarzenegger said, right? He was just like, all these other guys training for Mr. Universe would, they'd put in the hour and they put in the times, but they had a scowl on their face and people would always comment like, you always look so happy. And he's like, I'm blessed with having a goal, you know? So he's like, every rep I do puts me one step closer to the goal. And so I love it. I, I mean, just the, I was just going to make a joke. Like, it's funny, like, you and Todd Sexton, you look like the before and after, like, P90X pictures. So, no, I know. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> hey. I can't wait to see that match, man. I mean, like, I'm excited to what you guys are. Because Todd is used to wrestling big, strong guys. I mean, some of the matches he had with Mike, I, I was there. I got to witness one of his matches with Michael Judas, who's no small yeah. guy. And uh, he acquitted himself very well. So I know that's going to be a, that's going to be quite the match in, in what promises Man, all, to be a really great show. Yeah. All joking aside, I, I look forward to wrestling Todd. I know he's a good wrestler. Um, you know, put the heat aside, put him not liking me aside. And I just look I, like I tell, like I said originally, I don't have no disrespect towards the guy. The guys had a problem with me, um, and I and I, I think me and him getting together and wrestling can kind of put some of that aside. But you know, it, you never know with a guy. You never know what they think or how they feel about you. So uh, I'm a, I'm a working professional, man. So I'm I'm looking forward to wrestling him and seeing what he has to offer and how he's evolved because I've evolved. I've changed. You know, not I'm not the same guy I was in 2003, 2004. I'm not the same guy I was in 2011, 2012. So, you know, I'm constantly trying to improve. I'm constantly trying to get better. And, and, that, and that's not just with, you know, wrestling. That's with my lifting. That's with my life. That's with my goals. That's with my, you know, my relationships, my friendships, anything. So, you know, I, I don't know what Todd's mindset is going into this, but I look forward to it. Well, you know um... – Luke, he's he's retired about five times, so um, yeah, and I've I've never retired once. So <laughs> yeah, number six might be coming this weekend. I have a feeling, I have <laughs> yeah. a, Luke. I, I have a kind of an odd question for you because, like, you and I sort of shared a thing where, you know, you're running a show, and but you're in it. And is there something that you want your guys to see as far as when you're in the ring, when you're wrestling your match, when you're doing your thing? Is there something you want them to learn by watching you? Because my, my yeah, thing was you know, always my my thing was always like you know I, I didn't tell them overtly but I wanted them to see my thing and just go like, uh, my thing was engaging the crowd and everybody knew I was trying to win the damn match. And that's what I wanted them to get from watching me. So you obviously have more to offer in a wrestling ring than I did when I wrestled. What's something you want your guys to get when they watch you and Todd to go like, holy shit, like hey, that's something I'm not, impressed by. Not just my guys. I'll say any guys. I want to, and this sounds conceited, but it is yeah. what it is, bro. 
I want to know this is what it's supposed to look like. You know what I mean? This is how you go. This is how you do it. So uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very precise on everything I do in the ring. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm always working hard, and I have a mindset of what I want out of matches. So, and if I, if I don't get that or if that comes from somebody else not doing a job, I mean, and that's the referee or anybody. You know what I mean? Like music, I, I don't like little things to get messed up. I don't like when the sound's messed up. I don't like, you know, last time we were there, we lost all the footage. I was really pissed off about that because we came in, and I wanted to put that on a television show here in Louisiana, and the footage, they just, I don't know what happened, but we didn't get the footage. And it did, mm. the, the footage we got, it looked like it was shot on a flip phone. So things like that really, you know, they pissed me off because I'm a perfectionist, and I want everything I do and everything I evolve it, I'm involved in to be perfect. So, and, and that's, you know, like I said, that's not just from my matches. That's from running the show from top to bottom. So I need everybody to be on time. I need everybody to be in the right positions. I need everybody. You know, it, it's a work. It's a team effort. We all work together, right? Nobody can do this on their own. And that's from the person, you know, selling, taking tickets at the door, selling hot dogs, cleaning up. We we all have to work together. So uh, that's a big, you know, it's just a big thing is, is working as a cohesive unit and everybody coming together and everybody, you know, doing the best job they can and taking what they do seriously. Well, Luke, thanks a lot for uh, giving us some of your time tonight. We look forward to the um, high pay-per-view Saturday at the Landmark Arena in Cornelia. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. Appreciate Absolutely, it. man. Thank you. Best of luck and kick ass this weekend, man. People need to turn up for that bad boy. Hell yeah. I mean, check us out on social media if you want Instagram, Facebook, everything's at Wildcat Sports. That's W I L D K A E at Wildcat Sports. My personal social media is at Luke Hawks 504, L U K E H A W X 504. So just trying to make it happen, bro. Yeah, baby. Thanks again, Luke, for being on, man. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good night. You as well. Bye. Yes, sir. Well, gentlemen, that's what, that's what you call a professional. Yes. He's an intense fucking guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just gonna throw this out before I know we gotta go soon. But I just want I want to, one I want to hear from Rob again and, and like. I'm just going to put this question out there. Now, Larry, you've been around this crap for a long time, right? Yeah. And yeah. and Rob, you're clearly a fan, and you you know you've got you you seem like you've got like a finger in every pie in Georgia wrestling, which is awesome, right? Has there right. ever been this kind of eclectic mix of personalities? And I mean, like just. You know, from the from the Gary Lambs of the world to uh, I I don't. It just seems like there's just so many kind of characters in in Georgia wrestling again. Where for a while I was honestly a little bored. I was just like, all these guys are kind of dull as dishwater. But you just have so many different kind of personalities. I mean, from like promoters to bookers to even some of the referees got a little bit of interesting about them 
Um, I mean, I love a big personality. I think wrestling lends itself towards it. I mean, has it ever been like this? I mean, maybe I'm just seeing it through rose-colored glasses right now, Larry. But you and Rob, like, what the personalities we got right now in the state, they just seem like something else, man. I guess the only period that's comparable to me is the uh, oh early 2000s when, like, during the period when Wildside had the – WCW development thing and of course so much of it then was focused in Cornelia and not in so many now where it's spread in so many different places so it was different in that way but I've said to a number of people I've had more fun with pro wrestling like in the last six months eight months or so than I've, than I've had in years yeah, some, of the, some of the personalities yeah, if, if you've seen them before it's just a new take on it you you have to say wow, you know it'd be your boy gimmick from Allen Angels, uh, loudmouth AC Mac. You know it's just the way the new take that they're bringing on some of those old tropes is, is entertaining as all out. Yeah, I you know because there was a there was a stint there with the Georgia Wrestling Awards where. Some of the awards, honestly, were like, like you know, like like male performer of the year. Let's be blunt. There was a time where male performer of the year, which is supposed, you know, the Tommy Rich Award, right? It's supposed to be the guys who do the most with the least and have like super great personalities. But it was always, it was just between like two guys. <laughs> I mean, that's just being honest, you know. It was it's. It's Shadow Jackson or it's Simon Sermon. I mean, there were guys who won that award who had no business winning that award just because there was a complete lack of personality in Georgia wrestling. Now, I'm just being blunt. You know, like, Crew Jones shouldn't win that fucking title, right? Like, it, but, but because it was always just Shadow Jackson. But now you have all these different guys with gimmicks and controversial ones to boot, guys who are really opinionated. Right, like I may have said that seeing Nick's um, two-minute speech was absolute dog shit, but he's vocal. He's out there. He's got a thing. Uh, you know, you have promoters who take turns pretending they like each other and then also snipe at each other, and I don't know. I love it. I mean. <laughs> You know, I got it. Before we go, I just got, you know, got to throw this in along those lines. Gary Lamb's podcast with the um, the tapped out uh, with Nick McDaniel. uh, Oh, my God. Where he where he he happened to mention that he had purchased the Georgia Premier Wrestling uh, URL. uh, I mean, that's just, I just, <laughs> that's that kind of petty. I mean, that is, I mean, the wrestling is equal parts, equal parts magnanimous and petty as hell. Like, you know, I think Vince McMahon, like I said, when Vince McMahon dies, that is the end of an era. And he epitomizes the best and the worst of wrestling where it's like his vision 
is as wide as anybody's has ever been. But he's also the guy that will run into you in the hallway and just goes like, you're fired. Or, you know, he's the guy that holds a grudge forever in a day. You know, <laughs> like if, if, if a news story came out that, you know, when he was near Jeff Jarrett, that he, here's a picture we caught of Vince McMahon spitting in like Jeff Jarrett's beer cup when he turned his head. It wouldn't shock me in the least. <laughs> you know? and like uh, there's just something about that that it is just so wrestling it, again it comes from a carnival tradition and those carnival guys were they were criminals like that was the mentality and i'm this sounds ridiculous to say but i'm i love that 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 tradition remains that there's still whack jobs and freaks and just these outsized personalities. Because if if you're not if you're not an outsized personality, go do fucking something else. <laughs> go go run your local community theater version of Cats or something. Because like pro wrestling, I mean, as much, it needs guys like that just as much as it needs guys like Larry and Rob. It does. You know, we need we need guys that have at least one foot on planet earth too. Um, so I just love it. I'm just, I'm having a ball talking about it, honestly. So, well, yes, sir, any know, parting and, words? And, yeah, please. Just at the, uh, just one more thing, you know, and then it, it, at the top on WWE, those larger than life personalities are, are what they're lacking. And yet they want everybody to be, you know, to be corporate kind of guys. And it just doesn't work. No, it just doesn't. You know, if there's not room to be outlaws, um, and to be that, outlandish. That one stone, the one stone cold podcast where he interviewed Vince McMahon said, "Yeah, Vince says, don't piss me off. Well, you have to piss off the boss sometimes. If you want to yeah, get I, I mean, it's. I guess the 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 lofty word I'm thinking of is inspirational and. Who right now, and that was something else that was brought up in that Deadspin article where they were talking, comparing 2009 to now, is it's like, what is compelling on, they, they put it well, which was, if Bray Wyatt doing whatever the hell Bray Wyatt is doing right now is, is what passes for great, like, we're in trouble. Yeah, we <laughs> are. Went, yeah. We are in trouble. I couldn't disagree yeah. with it. I mean, I kind of like that they're doing it, but kind of like shouldn't be the best thing on the show. And right now it is. And like, again, this is a crazy business. It doesn't lend itself towards regulation or large scale. It just doesn't. You have to cut the guys loose. And let them lead. And like, you know, we, we're, we're all old guys on this thing right now, right? We're older guys. And, but we have to adapt to how the new stuff happens and let it lead because it's going to, whether we like it or not. And I, WWE to me seems like they're equal parts. Yeah, of course, we're going to innovate and we're going to be ahead of the game, but then really being afraid of what that means. It's like, we'll give the women so much, 
but the you know we'll give them sort of lip service of yes they're the pay per view of WrestleMania, but nobody really felt that way, right? It's 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 all lip service stuff. They they just they're always going to hold back. That's what it feels like. They're just trying to restrain this thing that doesn't lend itself to being restrained. I couldn't agree um, you know, more. The, the 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 interesting stuff, the exciting stuff, is all on the is on the independent level, the smaller company level, much more so than WWE. Just it just bores me to tears most most of the time. Um, but anyway, yeah. But Rob, it was great to have you on. I Thank you definitely have to have you on again um, soon. Yeah, I hope I didn't shit. The, I hope I didn't shit the bed too badly. Oh, no, no, not at all, man. And keep those reports coming. Uh, I'm going yeah, to, we'll, let's see. What, yeah, where are you going to be this weekend? I will be at the Peach State 11th anniversary show, and I don't want to say who my pick is for the main event, but uh, it's got it's going to be a barn burger. It's, it's going to be a match of the year candidate. I can tell you that right now. Nice, nice, nice. And, Larry, you've gone through some 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 tough things lately. Um, what what do you got up for the weekend? Well, if Rob wasn't going to be a Peach State, I'd be there because that I think that's going to be some pretty interesting stuff. But I think for me, it's going to be either be uh, Wildcat and Cornelia or WrestleMerica in Barnesville, and I'm not sure which yet. Yeah, the right. WrestleMerica looks good. Yeah. And and again, wherever Larry and Rob are not, we always appreciate the reports coming in. One of the things I'm going to talk about on um, on a full disclosure right after this, actually, is how now everybody is putting their crowd numbers. And we know what a maniac I am about that stuff. But it's yes, great that we have measuring sticks. It's great that – like, PWX used to not put their crowds. Can you believe that, Rob? Like, what the hell? Yeah. You're drawing in the 400s, and you're not lifting your crowd? Get the fuck out of here. So, like, I will, will pretend myself, and I'm like, dude, will you put the freaking crowds down so I can talk about you? And so he's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, I mean, <laughs> they drew 468 paid, 468 paid. If I ever got 468 paid at – PCW, I would tattoo it to my forehead. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Rob, it was great to talk to you. Uh, Larry, you great as always. And uh, we're going to see you guys in a couple of weeks on The Tipping Point. Be sure to check out gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com for all the great stuff that Rob's doing, Larry's doing, and occasionally a video by yours truly gets up there as well. Anyway, <laughs> Have a good night, and we'll see you on The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Have a good night.